0: Well, folks, welcome to a very special Broadway radio episode. We are now at, after nearly four years on the air, the series finale of one of our original series, On My Way to a BFA, and the host of that show, Natalie Nowak, is with us now. Natalie, how are you?
1: Hi, Matt. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good. It's been a little while since you've updated everybody on where you are in your journey through college at the Hart School in Connecticut. But first, the burning question. Did you, in fact, get your BFA?
1: I did get my BFA. Yay! Um, yes. They they have yet to mail me my diploma, but that is it's on its way. So, yes. But I did graduate. I got my BFA. And... It happened.
0: <laughs> Believe it or not, despite a global pandemic, it did happen. And we're going to get to the global pandemic later on in this episode. But instead of you interviewing other people to give insights, into what the BFA process is like. Since we haven't had an update in a while, what I thought we could do for a series finale, now that you have your BFA, is talk about what that senior year was like. It was very busy for you, and we're going to talk about all of that, talk about what it was like to graduate in the middle of a pandemic, and then talk about what the world is like for someone who has a BFA, and yet there is no theater. So we'll get into all that, but let's start in the fall, I mean, getting close to almost a year ago of 2019, with the first show that you were a part of during your senior year, it was the Learner and Low classic Brigadoon. So, first, tell us what was like the audition process, like who you were in the show, and those kind of fun theater dork details.
1: Yes. So, the audition process was pretty simple. We went in and everyone sang first, and then later there was the dance call. Um, The dance hall was led by Ralph Perkins, uh, one of my favorite professors at heart. And it was great. It was a ballet combination. It was actually pretty long, but um, the audition for the dance portion was actually to the song that ended up being my ballet solo when I actually did get cast. So it was kind of a full circle moment in that regard. Um, But yes, I, I then got the role of Jean. And she is the sister of the female lead, Fiona. And this was the first time that I got to do a bigger role at heart. And it was really fun. And it was something that I had been hoping for since I was a freshman, that I could, you know, do something and kind of break out of the ensemble roles that I had been cast in previously. So it was it was really great. And honestly, I think the biggest takeaway from Brigadoon and just the, the most memorable part of it was that so many of my family members flew in to see it like I had people from Chicago yeah from from Seattle St. Louis New York like we just gathered the whole crew and they came in and so that was that was really great and it was it was um, really nice to culminate my final heart main stage in that way with all of them it was really
0: special and for people who might not have been along throughout this entire journey starting in your freshman year you have far more of a dance background coming into college than maybe the acting and the singing part.
1: Yes, definitely. And I'm, I'm proud to say that at this point, uh, this, the, uh, singing and, and acting has caught up to the dance, which is one of my goals going into school. I really wanted it to be, you know, a true, I I wanted to be a triple threat because it it can be interesting coming in with more of a dance background. And, you know, I, I felt, a little bit far behind everyone in the singing and acting regard. So, so it was nice to really work on that and hone in on those throughout my four years. And yeah, and I, I mean, I love singing. I think it's become my favorite.
0: How do you approach college as somebody who is more of a dancer than anything else and try to get the most out of the other parts of the discipline. How how did you focus on saying, I want to raise my singing and my acting to the level that my dance is at? You're taking classes for everything, but how did you make sure that you were flexing those muscles and building those muscles so that they didn't kind of get left behind as you were kind of using your previous experiences as a crutch kind of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was just very honest with my professors from the beginning, and I said, you know, I'm primarily a dancer. I took voice lessons so that I could figure out how to even you know sing a song for college auditions I mean it really was like I I did just did not have experience in it and so I I just was honest with them and I said this is I I want to become someone who like I want to be able to hold my own as a singer and not just be like oh she's a dancer so you know we'll let it slide if she can't really sing I, I didn't want that to happen I want to able to do everything and so yeah i just had a conversation with my voice teacher and i said here's here's what i want to do and i want to i want to be treated like a singer i want to learn everything i can and i want to catch up to to everyone and and yeah so i think just having those conversations helped them to see okay that she's serious about about this this is what she wants and and i think they they worked with me from there
0: and so you feel comfortable now doing it all? Like I, I, after four years, do you feel as strong vocally as you do dancing?
1: I do, but it didn't, that it didn't happen overnight and it didn't happen easily. I think, I mean, actually just, you know, being in quarantine and I've kind of had a lot of time to reflect on college. And I think, I think it's only very recently that I feel kind of at peace with with that and I feel like okay I don't I don't have to be seen as just a dancer and yeah so it definitely didn't happen quickly but but I kept working and you know just anytime I wasn't in class I was home singing and just working on it
0: singing around your apartment or dormer whichever year it was did that annoy your roommates
1: you know what (laughs) (laughs) not not really I was kind of strategic I mean I only had one other roommate and so I would you know plan times when when they weren't around and just kind of figure out schedule wise I was not definitely not one of those people that would you know stay up and sing at all hours just like when I had breaks during the day I would I would work on it so
0: weren't belting defying gravity at 3am or anything
1: no, no, that's a 2 p.m. situation. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> I remember, I mean, because I know is like the dream, right?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Still? Still, yeah.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. All oh, right, yeah. so from Brigadoon, you did one more show in the latter half of 2019, but it wasn't at Hart, although it was with a theater that I know Hart has a relationship with uh, at the Hartford stage. So, First off, uh, tell me, how does the relationship between Hart and Hartford Stage work?
1: Yeah, so so they do have a great partnership that they've had for a while now. Um, so I guess I'll talk about it in terms of how it works for A Christmas Carol. Um, each yeah. year, the seniors at Hart get to audition for for roles. The The acting majors actually are in it every year. They're guaranteed to be in it. And then the musical theater majors have to audition because they're – this version of A Christmas Carol is is actually, it's quite unique because it's, it, has, it has a heavy dance focus. But it's not a musical. It's not a musical. Yeah. It's not a musical, but it does um, the musical theater majors audition to play the ghostly apparitions. And that's the dance ensemble. And they come in whenever Jacob Marley visits Scrooge or whenever something scary happens. And they kind of, you know, get to interact with the audience a little bit. And, and it's that, those roles are very dance focused. So they- Uh, they have the musical theater majors audition for those.
0: And so that's what you did. You were a ghost in A Christmas Carol.
1: I was, yes. I was the medieval apparition. And the best part of it is that there's this scene when Jacob Marley is is rising up from the underworld and there's this trap door. And so I got to split walk out of it. And that always was a cool moment and it was something that i that i wanted to do since freshman year and so i'm i'm really happy that i got to do
0: it so explain what a split walk is
1: okay so you're you're walking but each step is a full split so you kind of walk out of the trap door and you slide into splits as you're walking out of it
0: Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. (laughs) Um, so, okay. So is that technically a professional job? Do you get paid for that or was it just like a a student type thing?
1: Um, you don't get paid for it, but you get, uh, equity points, which,
0: Oh, that's awesome. Which
1: is, you know, just as good in my opinion. So yeah, so it was great. And then, you know, there's so many other, you know, perks and cool things that go along with it. And it was just, it was fun to, feel like I was having a professional experience we got to do talkbacks. we got to you know there are lots of different community nights where people would come and they'd want to meet us and kind of yeah so it was it was great and I I love Hartford Stage. there everyone was so lovely
0: there so that's obviously kind of a tangential thing from your classes and and your uh, courses at heart. But I would imagine that was a huge learning experience in and of itself, kind of like you alluded to. Is Was there one thing that you took away from that experience more than anything else?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, it 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 did coincide with classes. We were, you know, excused from anything that that it conflicted with. But I guess one thing I took away, I mean, I think that the thing that I took away the most was just the feeling that I had when when I got to perform there and I I realized how unique of an experience it is to every night have it be sold out because I think that that's something that it just doesn't happen all the time and I I know that and I'm grateful for it and to like walk out and see people who you know there's just no empty seats and everyone's there and they're loving it and people you know kept coming back multiple times I think just just the feelings that I had when I was there. Just that's what I take away more than anything.
0: Yeah, and obviously gives you that first glimpse of being in professional theater and saying, "Oh yeah, this is this is what I want to do." I, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Absolutely. So. Going from that, going into the final semester of your senior year, obviously it was one that was truncated and abbreviated for all of the absolute wrong reasons, but before you got into the latter part of your senior year... I know there was another, I don't know where this fell in in the timeline, though, but you had another experience at a professional theater, a slightly different one. So where did Goodspeed come in in the timeline?
1: So Goodspeed uh, was right before second semester. It was in January, and it was the two weeks um, right before we started school.
0: Okay, so explain what your two-week experience at the Goodspeed Opera House was.
1: Yes. So each year, uh, we, we actually got to work with the Boston Conservatory seniors as well, which was cool to meet them and, and work with them. So Hart School and Boston Conservatory seniors participate in the Good Feed Festival of New Musicals each year. And it's, it's a two-week workshop process. They bring three new works. And... Basically, I mean, for a lot of for a lot of the shows, it's the first time that they're being read by people and not just on the page. So it's kind of an opportunity for the writers to see their work, you know, on on their feet. And um, yeah, so it culminates in a staged reading, and they split the seniors up amongst the three shows. There is an audition process, and they just see, you know, who would be a good fit for what. So.
0: So what was the show that you actually did?
1: I was in the musical Private Gomer. It was by Marshall Paylet. I'm sure that we will be hearing a lot more from Marshall in the years to come because he, he is a genius, and I don't say that lightly. He wrote the music, lyrics, book, and he was the director of this show. And I feel like a lot of times when people hear that someone has you know done it all for a project, they think, well, how can they have an objective view or what if things... Need to be cut out because it is a workshop process and you never know, like, how much of the script will end up, you know, being the same when you actually do the reading. But I think something that speaks to how he is as a director is that in the beginning, he told us that he wrote the first act in two weeks which is about 90 pages. And then, you know, after that wrote the rest of it. But um, something that he said to us was that it was such a quick process of writing it that he felt like he got everything out that he needed to write so fast that by the time he came to the festival, he didn't feel a strong sense of ownership or preciousness Mm. over his work. Yeah. So he was able to cut things out as we went or change things. And he, you know, said like, Oh, yeah, okay, that doesn't work. Let's let's get rid of it. What else should we put in its place? So he didn't, you know, there wasn't any ego in it. So he was great to work with. So yeah, the show was based on a true story about private Gomer Jones. And it's about a deaf Welsh sniper in World War One. Uh, but he hides the fact that he's deaf because he can read lips so well. And I think the coolest part is that the audience only hears what Gomer sees being spoken to him. So if he turns away and is no longer reading someone's lips, it's not audible to the audience either. So it was, yeah, it was just a really cool project. And it's, you know, it's all from Gomer's point of view. And it's about the people he meets along the way, as well as what being in the war does to someone's psyche and how he deals with death all around him. Um, And it's an ensemble show. So it's great because everyone plays everything. So Everyone plays nurses and soldiers, regardless of gender identity, which is really cool. And um, yeah, it was just a really great experience.
0: Do you know what the the next steps are for that show? Obviously, it's been about eight months now, um, but I don't I don't know if you've kept in touch or been kept in the loop. Like, do you know what the plan is for that show during the pandemic or once the pandemic's over, or anything like that?
1: You know, I'm not sure. I did talk to Marshall fairly recently, and I know that he has some other things. Um, in the works, but for private Gomer, I'm I'm not sure yet.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine that any plans that Marshall might have had are probably up in the air at this point, anyway. But um, yes. So speaking of plans being up in the air, <laughs> you were <laughs> in. I were you actually in New York City or on route to New York City for your college showcase when the world shut down?
1: I was. I was on the train from from Hartford to. Uh, Grand Central, the train was literally pulling in to Grand Central and I got a notification on my phone and I checked my email and it said showcase has been canceled.
0: <laughs> so did you just get on a train and go right back to Hartford?
1: Well, no because my my mom who, oh. who we all know and love yes, from, former, from the podcast, former guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, former guest along with my my dad as well. Um yes, my mom flew in to New York because she is amazing. And she was going to be there, you know, over the weekend just to kind of help if I needed anything. And yeah, she's, she's wonderful. So she was going to be there for that. So she flew in and she, she texted me like right after I got the email and she said, okay, I'm at the hotel. And I called her and I said, it's canceled. And, and, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was definitely upsetting at the time, but we had a great weekend. We just had a great girls weekend. And then we flew to Chicago and everything shut down.
0: So you haven't even been back to Hartford since you left.
1: Well, I had to go back to pack up my apartment. Oh, okay. So, we, so you did that. We drove. Okay. Gotcha. We took a 16-hour road trip. Oh, my Lord. Packed up. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, packed up my apartment, put it all at a lovely couple's house. Shout out to Bob and Frankie Goldfarb, if you're listening, um, in they for their family friend of ours. And um, they, they have my things in their garage. So when it is time to move to New York, we'll have to, you know, go there and get it. And yeah,
0: we'll get to, we'll get to that moving to New York thing. But like the showcase for a BFA program where people don't know, like that's a huge culminating event for not only your senior year, but your entire time in college. And it really is the bridge from your academic career to the beginnings hopefully of your professional career for people who don't know explain what a showcase is and what it is intended to hopefully accomplish for people who are getting ready to go out into the actual theater world
1: yes a showcase is where you showcase whatever you are best at so you can sing you can sing and dance i was doing something where i was singing and dancing. Um, and it's, you know, you pick material that, that you think showcases your voice or showcases whatever style of dance you're best at. And I'm not sure, I know that for programs that are close to New York, like we were, we, the plan was that you go into New York and you rent a small off-Broadway theater. And basically the goal is to be seen by people in the industry. So it's, you know, agents and casting directors come to it and, it's it's just kind of your opportunity to show, to say hello to New York and show them, show them what you can do. And I mean, you know, the hope is that you'll get some meetings with agents that might turn into, um, you know, actual contracts and they will then represent you or you will get some auditions. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a great opportunity. And it is the thing that since freshman year, you're thinking, okay, what am I going to you know, what's what showcase going to be like? What am I going to do?
0: So what were you going to do?
1: So I was going to sing Queenie Was a Blonde from The Wild Party mm. um, and had this cute little red dress and was going to do some, <laughs> I guess you could say, like, saucy-esque jazz and sing. And, yeah, so that was the plan.
0: So... I know that there has been some talk for Hart to maybe do the showcase. Like I, I don't, I don't know at some point whether that's virtually or in person. What is the status of that? And I know that you're not necessarily super worried about it, though. Uh,
1: yes, that is that is correct. I I'm not sure what the status of it is. I think a lot of it is up in the air right now. I know that you know they were thinking of maybe sometime in September. I don't see that happening. I think that then they were, you know, thinking months in advance, could we book something then? It's just kind of hard to know what's going to happen. It's hard to know people's availability. I mean, there's just so many factors that we don't know. And I think, you know, in in the meantime, I'm excited about the prospect of, of figuring it out on my own. And, you know, connecting with people. And yeah, I want to use those connections to seek representation on my own.
0: So in addition to the showcase being canceled, there was obviously like the end of college was canceled and graduation was canceled. As you kind of were coming to grips with the fact that this huge segment of your life was ending prematurely, how did you deal with that? Not just from like the professional and the performance side, but like from just the human side of like, I'm not going to have the proper farewell to all these people that I've been with. I'm not going to have the proper celebration. How did you deal with that in the midst of obviously that's super serious, but obviously there's even more serious, scary things going on in the world at large?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was really hard at first. Like, I cried and called my friends and talked it out. And, you know, I think everyone was kind of feeling the same way, which is just, you know, we thought that we were guaranteed this. And I mean, if COVID has taught me one thing, it's that nothing is guaranteed. And so, you know, you really can't, it's just, it's just hard to know. And so, yeah, it, I was just really upset at first. I've made peace with it um, now and I'm, you know, feeling optimistic about the future, but yeah, it was, it was hard and I don't know. It just, I think it just took like talking it out really to, to feel better about it.
0: So when you talk to your friends and I assume talk to your parents whatever was there one thing that you were disappointed about missing out the most with
1: I I think that's a good question. I you know, I think it I think the one thing was that because everything was so sudden we just didn't get a chance to say goodbye to each other in person. We didn't get a chance to you know, walk around the performing arts center and say goodbye to it. So it just feels like, like still now it just feels like this place that I haven't been to in forever. And I mean, the last time we were there was a couple days before everyone was leaving for showcase and we were kind of planning last minute things. And then I remember we were there for so long and a lot of us were like, oh, let's just, we just want to leave. Like we've been here all day, <laughs> whatever. And we just kind of left. And it's like, you, I, I don't know. We just, we didn't think that that would be the last time we would be there. So I think Yeah, just I think that was the hardest part at the time.
0: So now that your time as a BFA student is over and now that you are an official BFA recipient, what are you doing now while the world is shut down? Not to just stay alive, because I know you're working a job with the theater, but like to get yourself Mm -hmm. ready for when, presumably, performances and auditions and shows return? Like, how are you approaching the part of this pandemic where you, like, have to be ready to go when things come back, but, like, it's hard to either, A, know when that is, or, B, really get the preparation and the work in to be ready for whenever that magic momentous occasion actually happens.
1: Yeah, so I think that the luxury of having this much time is that, I'm able to do things that I otherwise wouldn't take time for. So like now is a great time to find new songs for my book. Something that, you know, I feel like at the end of college, a lot of my friends, myself included, were saying like, you know, we have these songs and like we've been preparing for showcase. So that's the main thing that that's the main material we've been working on. But like we're kind of unhappy with like some stale material or songs that we've sung a million times. And so now it's great because I can actually take the time to learn new material and to put it in my book and see what works and make sure that I have enough genres so that whatever auditions come up, I can say, okay, I have something for that. So, so yeah, it's it's been a good time for that. And then, um, yeah, just keeping up with singing, dancing when I can, which, you know, it's it's hard, it's hard to find space, honestly. Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, there's lots of things going on online now. So just, taking advantage of those has been helpful.
0: So you will eventually move to New York. Do you have an idea as to not necessarily when, because that's obviously still up all up in the air, but like, do you have an idea of like when you'll know it's time for you to make the move?
1: Yes. I will know it's time to make the move when I hear something about auditions, opening
0: actual in-person auditions,
1: like actual in-person auditions, because You know, I I am lucky in that I can stay home now and work and I could move to New York now, but I would still just be sitting at home and working and I don't really want to pay New York rent while doing that. (laughs) I want to pay New York rent when I'm there to do what, you know, what I came there for. So, yeah, as soon as I hear that auditions are opening up, I would ideally like to move there a little before then to get settled and hit the ground running.
0: Okay, before we wrap up, uh, Natalie, you've done this show now for three, four years, however you want to quantify that. What were some of your favorite memories of the on my way to a BFA experience for you?
1: Well, it was such I had such a great time doing it. And I think that that was because of the guests that I got to interview. So my most memorable guests are just things that stand out in my mind right now. Um, Of course, Andrew Braden so nice. He went to heart. He's been a huge supporter of the podcast and just a great person and friend. And he's also someone that is really great at connecting people with the people he knows. So he was able to connect me with a lot of other guests uh, like Christine Dwyer, Cameron Adams, and Jenna Ushkowitz. And I think those are very memorable for me. I mean, we said it before, but it was very cool to interview Christine because Alphabet. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. And she went to heart. So, you know, it's very cool. And then um, Cameron was amazing too, because I really look up to her and um, we've actually stayed in touch. And I reach out from time to time if I have any questions about anything. And she's always so nice and helpful. Um, and then Jenna Ushkowitz. Okay, people, this was such <laughs> a pinch me moment because anyone who knows me well knows that Glee was the one entity that shaped my childhood and teenage years. So to talk to someone like Jenna, who was such an important part of that, was amazing. And I'm actually rewatching Glee right now. And I always think about when I'm watching it, if I could go back and tell my 13-year-old self that I would get to connect with Jenna and ask her all of these questions, I would have freaked out. And I mean, obviously, I'm still freaking out because I'm always going to be a nerd like this
0: but that was a really cool moment so yeah that's awesome and yes you are a nerd
1: yeah a (laughs) proud nerd
0: yeah well I Natalie you know that I am I've said this to you for years privately but I'm such a huge fan of you and what you who you are and I haven't seen much of you uh, singing or dancing because you don't put a ton of videos like that online but I know Mm -hmm. that I will Uh, someday but i'm I'm such a huge fan and i'm so excited for your future both personally and professionally and i can't wait for you to get to new york and take the entire industry by storm because you are an absolute star and uh and i'm so grateful that we've been able to kind of have a uh, you know a seat to kind of follow you along on this journey so um congratulations on everything why don't you tell people where they can follow you on social media you need to post more that's like a big thing with na- with the uh, with auditions now you need to like start building your brand I know. You got to get out there. Start doing the TikTok. You know, the TikToks are big right now. So TikTok, uh,
1: I don't know how I feel about TikTok. But <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I'd be very good at TikTok. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of dancing on TikTok, right? Like there's a lot of I, dancing. I guess so
1: maybe I'll give it a try. I
0: think you should get on, on a TikTok. Grow that user base, grow that audience. And then so when you go into the auditions when they finally have it, you can look at Bernie in the face and say, I have two million followers on social media. Put me in a show.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: Sorry, tell people tell people where they can find you
1: okay you can find me on I, I'm mostly on Instagram at Natalie underscore NOAC, N-O-A-C-K um, same username on Twitter
0: yeah and again post more it helps the career okay <laughs> <laughs> all right Natalie thank you for going through all of this congratulations on uh, graduating hopefully eventually you'll get the the actual physical piece of paper yeah and uh, we will I, I'm whether you like it or not I'm gonna force you to keep us updated as things uh, go on and, and and things move forward with your life and career
1: okay that sounds great thank you so much.